Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. We have at the center of our religion... A cross. Palm Sunday, what a day it really is and what a day it must have meant and was long ago. It was a time when expectancy was running so high that the very air was charged with it. And the expectancy was that uh, the promise that the Jewish people were thinking about was there would come one in the lineage of the David of that golden age that would come and set up an earthly kingdom here upon the face of this earth and would take over as king, being the son of God, and would be able to rule in a most marvelous way. Now, this is the expectancy of that group in that day. They thought the time had come, and the hour had arrived, and the man that God had sent would surely take over the throne within just a few days and proclaim himself as being not only the Messiah, but the king of Israel. And so they were caught up in the bliss of this glorious thought that they had been waiting for down through the ages. And so much so that you remember that when they told the Lord Jesus Christ to quite the crowd down, you remember he said to them, if they do not cry out as they are, that these very stones will cry out. And beloved, I am led to believe that that's precisely and exactly what would have happened on that day of Palm Sunday of long ago. But let us remember that Palm Sunday is quickly followed by another day, the day of the cross. And where the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had been abused and mistreated, was given a cross to carry, the instrument of his death, or the tree on which he was to be nailed, alive to die. His body bent under the mighty load, his knees buckling under the load that he was called to carry. And having to call one from the spectators to come and to help him to carry the cross to Calvary's hill in order that there he might be crucified. It was the day when man's animal nature ran wild. It was a day of mental torture, emotional torture, and physical torture. The cross at one time was a symbol of disgrace and shame. Whatever it was, it was certainly that. It is a symbol of suffering, of course. Sometimes I am led to believe that we come to the place in this modern society of ours and we have forgotten that Christ calls us to take up our cross and to follow him. I suppose if there's ever been a time for us as Christians where we're more in danger of forgetting this fact than today, I do not know of it nor have I ever read about it anywhere, any place in the history of man. We come to the day, in this day in which we live, and we seem to lose sight of the fact, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the center of our religion stands a cross. There's a man I never heard tell him before. I don't think. Maybe I have. But 
I was given a magazine the other day that's put out by one of the churches within our society, not Methodist, but a man by the name of William Fuller has written an article, and he happens to be the Secretary of Communications of the National Council of Churches. He's in a very responsible position, and the National Council of Churches is involved in a thing that he sees some real danger in. And he presents his article in this fashion. He talks about a strange phenomena that has grown up within our society in the last 20 years or less. And he calls it the electronic church. Now he sees much that is wonderful and great about the electronic church, but he also sees some real serious dangers about it that you and I, as Christians who are working in the communities out and around the byways and the highways had better take note of and had better be conscious of lest we forget who we are and what we have been called to be. Now he calls this electronic church in our society today. He refers to it as electronic church but he's really talking about the church that we see on TV. The church that he says, the electronic church that is completely disconnected from the reality of a personal encounter that is at the very center and the very heart of Christianity. Now the reason I present some of his thoughts to you this morning is because if I understand what this man is saying and I understand what's happening within our society, I could never be in more agreement with what this man is saying. Now you must understand that he is in a position of talking about himself, in a sense, something that he is in charge of and pointing out to us the dangers that lie in this thing. And he says the TV or, or the electronic church is one that is not only disconnected from the realities of life as you and I live it, are supposed to live it daily, but it gives to us an illusion of something that is discredited within the scriptures and he presents it this way there is a person that's always at the head of the electronic church that is a person of great love or he is able to project this concept of being a person of great care and concern he always operates in a control setting where that only money alone can buy the props that are necessary for him to be able to dress the service the way that it really is. His guests are always people uh, that are well-dressed, well-fed, and who stand at the pinnacle of success within our society. The singing and the choir presents their message in a flawless way. The support personnel are only those again that money can buy. The service flows with motion and color and timing that can only be found in the electronic uh, church. And wherever it is, we have a concept of religion that is fantastic. It reminds me of the old story that is told, and you've heard it a hundred times, about two old cows standing out in the pasture about this time of the year, I suppose. And there they were munching away on the green grass, and one of Erler's trucks come driving by, and one old cow looks up and sees the truck and looks on the side of it and says, 
marginalized and pasteurized and vitamin A, B, C, and D has been added to enrich it. And one old cow looked at the other and said, now doesn't that make you feel inferior? Well, it's about the way with what this man sees in relation to the electronic church. And what he's able to see there, he says, the average person, can you imagine, that after watching such a presentation and hearing such a message, that he would want to pick up his coat and hat and put it on and go down to the average church and there be with that group where the sermon is labored. The service is dragging, where the seats are hard, and where people visit and attend where you're supposed to love them when you don't even like them. Beloved, the man's got a point. The man's got a point. There is that book that I've told you about that I've read, The Private Person. Though that man does not mention the church, But you see, our religion today is more and more becoming a private situation. And beloved, that is in complete, complete and total disagreement with the scriptures that you and I hold dear to our heart. Now it is said that 61% of the people of this country believe somehow, some way in a God and in the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a great percentage of those people never go to church anywhere, any place, as such. There's two things that's happened to me in the last two or three weeks that calls attention to what this man is saying. I was called some time ago to have a funeral for a man that I never heard tell of before in my life. Didn't know he existed. And talking with the family, I always try to find out what church he went to and so forth and so on. And the, the family told him they hadn't been to church for years. But he's a Christian. He believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the young ladies within the group of the family volunteered that he watched the TV program, one of our churches, a presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ on TV, in a faithful way. And she mentioned one of the programs that I love and have a great deal of confidence and faith in myself. But he never went to church anywhere, any place. The electronic church did not come to either to comfort the family or to bury the dead. Visiting with a friend of mine that I happened to be in the community and going to another church, I stopped by to say hi to her. And in stopping by to say hi to her, ask her about the church, she hadn't been for a while. What's wrong? Don't you like the preacher? No, I don't care for him too much. Well, what's wrong with the church? Well. I'm just disillusioned by the church. The only time they come to see me is when they want money. Have you ever heard that one before? <laughs> well, we talked on a while. She offered me a cup of coffee, and I accepted it, and we sit there and talk, and we could talk quite frankly one to the other. The interesting thing before I left, that she had told me in the process of our talking that she was sending a check to one of the electronic churches in our society today. I couldn't help but look her in the eye and say to her, well, to something to this degree, they didn't even have to come to visit you to ask for it. They asked you on TV and you have responded to it. It seems to me that if that's all I could get, 
that would be better than just this distant type of religion that you're supporting. We do face a situation within our society that can be devastating. We search for a religion that is without the cross. You see, it's a long way from where we are, we think, within our society from the cow barn, the manger in which Jesus was born. We seem to be a long way from the marketplace where he spent a great deal of time. The marketplace where people were bought and sold. The crossroads where the beggars frequent. The stinking fishing boat that he used for a pulpit. The hands of the soldiers that mistreated him. The judge that tried him. The cross on which he died where he was stripped of his dignity and his clothes. Jesus was not taken with the masses. You cannot help but read the scriptures and know this immediately. He did not trust them. It was the individual that he loved and gave his heart and his soul to. And beloved, my religion is perfected within the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is his church that calls me and aids me in being the best person that I can possibly be. And I want to say about three things in closing. It is a church that makes me aware. And when I say the church, I'm talking about you and me as we represent the church. And so I can say in a sense that it is you that makes me aware of my imperfection. And that's a nice way of saying that you make me aware that I am only a sinner. Only a sinner. It was in the infinite wisdom of God that he intended for us to perfect ourselves with one another. And beloved, that's the only way that I know that it can be. We can talk any kind of a religion that you want to talk. But unless it can be demonstrated in actual living with people, it is worthless and counterfeit. It is you that call me to my best. I think of the faithfulness of some of you. You know, it's something that you don't go around, and I don't go around, the preacher doesn't go around saying it, but you know, it is so. Some of you, I would love to be like you. In this area, you're so faithful. Oh, you're so faithful to what you believe. The church can count on you. You know that they're going to be standing in their possession and doing the thing that they know that God has called them to do. I look at you. I am conscious of you. Over the years I've been. And you have shamed me on more than one occasion. I want to be faithful as some of you. It doesn't make any difference if it's snowing or raining or whatever the elements might be. If you can be in your place, you're going to be here and you can count on you. I need that. That is a church. Oh, and I think about the love and compassion that you have. A beautiful thing. Again, I am called to look and to be a witness to it and to look at my own shallow heart. And know that here is a challenge that I need and I must have and I would like to be like you. Oh, and some of you are so sensitive. You can anticipate a person's hurt before it even happened. 
and you respond to it and thank God for you. And then I think of myself, how insensitive I am sometimes. Wanting to get on with the business of the church, overlooking the hurt of an individual, of a person, and only be jolted back to reality to know that it's not to get on with the business of the church. The business of the church is to be sensitive and caring one for the other. And when we overlook this and do not take time to consider it and be a part of it, my friend, we have made the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ of no report. We have betrayed the gospel that we say we believe in. Because you see, I must demonstrate I live by and on forgiveness and promises, not on success. You do not in the kingdom of God live on success. At the best, all you have is a promise of God to you. My friends, let me say to you that the Lord Jesus Christ was the most perfect person that ever lived upon the face of this earth. He was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He was perfection personified. And yet I want to tell you, in the eyes of this world, no man was any more of a miserable failure than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that interesting? We live not on success. We live on an extended promise of the Lord Jesus Christ to each one of us daily. Success in the eyes of the world is meaningless at this level. If we say God is on our side and gives us easy success, we betray the gospel that we say that we believe in. Because much of this that came to us was beat out on the hard anvil of life. The Apostle Paul wouldn't have been considered a success by the world. But Jesus said he was quite a person. My church, it is my church that is you that caused me to give a demonstration of my faith. It is you that caused me to give a demonstration of my faith every day that God loves sinners more than the righteous. Oh, what a painful statement. That God cares for sinners more than the righteous. Now, beloved, that's one of the most difficult things for me to carry out. I know it to be so. I know it's an absolute fact. I will not debate it. It is true. It is a fact. He demonstrated it. He demonstrated it to us again and again and again that this is so. Told us stories to emphasize it about the sheep that was lost and the coin and many other things he told us about this. Going and seeking and finding and rejoicing because he has found that which was lost. I want to say sometime to those who do not care and seem to be so unconcerned to say, well, let them go to hell anyway. Who cares? Well, I'll tell you who cares. The one that's the most important. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, He cares. He cares. And so that means that here is my responsibility and my duty. When we show no love for the lost, no compassion for the hurting, no mercy for the accused, 
and make no defense for the weary. We betray the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and we betray the one that we say that is our Lord and our Savior. As long as there's a dark street somewhere, as long as there is those who follow the concept of Mary, as long as there be a marketplace where people are bought and sold, as long as there be a Zacchaeus out there somewhere, as long as there be a beggar out there, or the poor, defenseless, and lonely, as long as there exists a pig pen where the sun can be lost in, wherever there be a place of misery and shame, wherever there be a dark place where people are forced to live and try to live and try to have their being, it is our responsibility and our duty to see that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted in those places. It is our responsibility and duty not only see that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted there as Savior and Lord, it is our responsibility and duty to go into those places, those stinking, filthy pits of hell, and live, and live, and give a witness to the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved, let us be reminded, starting of this holy week, that you and I have a Savior and a Lord that carried a cross. And he very pointedly has said to us, unless we're willing to take up that cross and follow him, or your cross, wherever you call it, and follow him, that we're not worthy of the kingdom of God, our Father, Oh, our Father, help us to be concerned with the people of this world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 